guys, that's great. Uh, this is my first time to present like the full message here for you guys on a Sunday morning. Um, and I, I feel like I, I just, I did it for the 9.30 service and their responses to me made me feel like maybe I need to give this crowd a heads up on a couple things. Um, first, this message is very, very personal to me. So I will be telling a lot of my personal story, so heads up on that. Uh, second thing is um, I often cry. Like when I'm up here on a stage, like I might have a little tear come down my face. That's not normal. Most people like don't get up on a stage and, you know, cry. I do. So there we go. It might make you just tear up just a little bit. I had some like big burly guys come up after the last service, like, you made me cry. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, so sorry. So just warning, if you feel some moisture in your eyes, that's normal, we can do this together. Um, the last thing is, I feel like it's obvious, I don't know how to say this in just like a, I, I don't know. Um, I am short, okay? I don't know how tall I look to you out there, but like when I come down off the stage and stand next to you, you will most likely look down on me. I'm five feet tall and it throws people. It throws, like in the last service, they're like, oh my gosh, you're so short in real life. I'm like, okay. So there is your warning. Everyone feeling good about this? I am, I'm feeling great. Uh, like Gary said, we are in Ruth one. And when you jump into Ruth 1, what you're immediately introduced to is there is this woman named Naomi. And Naomi is married and she has two boys. And this family of four lives in Bethlehem and Judah. And at the time, there is this famine happening in Bethlehem. And so this family of four relocates to a new place in order to get food. So they relocate to Moab, which is a foreign place to them. And I'm not really sure how long this family was planning to be in Moab, but they end up being there for quite a while. So long, in fact, that Naomi's two sons end up marrying foreign women. They end up marrying these Moabite women. And so one of the sons marries somebody named Orpah and another son marries someone named Ruth. And then tragedy strikes and Naomi's husband, passes away, and then Naomi's two sons pass away. This is tragic, heartbreaking. But furthermore, this is like a problem for these three women because at the time in that culture, uh, the way for women to be provided for, taken care of, was through a man. And these three women are left without any male to take care of them. And there was this like rule at the time that if your husband passes away, you can remarry someone in the family. Well, Naomi has lost her husband, both sons. Like there, there's no way for these three women to, to have a male take care of them. So not only are these women like heartbroken and this is tragic and not at all what their life was, you know, they thought their life was gonna look like, but then there's like practically, this is a problem for these three women. Well, Naomi gets word at some point that, um, hey, your hometown of Bethlehem is no longer in a famine. And so Naomi goes, okay, well then maybe the three of us can leave Moab 
and we can start heading towards Bethlehem. And so these three women start taking steps away from Moab, the place that Orpah and Ruth have grown up in, the place where their family, their friends, their culture, everything they are familiar with, these three women start taking steps away from everything that Ruth and Orpah are familiar with. And I also want y'all to think about this, that these three women are taking steps away from the place that they last saw their husbands. This is the place that Naomi last got to hear her son's voices. This is the last place these three women were able to see and hear their loved ones. And they start taking steps away from Moab, this very familiar, comfortable place. And as they start taking steps away, something like clicks in Naomi, and Naomi's like, whoa, 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 uh, I can't do this. I can't, I can't tell Ruth and Orpah to come with me. And she looks at Ruth and Orpah and she's like, go back to Moab. You girls should go back to Moab where your family is. They will take care of you. That's a better idea. Y'all go back and I'll go, I'll leave. And these two girls love and respect Naomi and they're like, no, 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 Naomi, we're gonna stay with you. And then Naomi, the seasoned, wise, experienced woman that she is, starts giving Ruth and Orpah like her best like arguments as to why you girls should go back to Moab. She's like, gives them like really logical, smart reasons as to why it's a terrible idea for them to go with her. She's like, all these reasons, go back to Moab. Her argument is so compelling, in fact, that Orpah's like listening to this and she's like, you know what, you've, yeah, you've brought up some really good points, Naomi. So Orpah's like, I love you, Naomi, hug, kiss. And Orpah goes back to Moab, the place that she is familiar with. But Ruth stays. <laughs> Naomi's like, all right, Ruth, look at your peer, Orpah. Look what Orpah is doing. Orpah is going back to Moab. Do that. See, it's the best idea. But Ruth is like, I don't care. I don't care what my peer is doing. I'm sticking with you, Naomi. And then we're gonna look at verse 16 because this is when we get a little bit of insight into Ruth's determination. Verse 16, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And I want us to stop. Some of you might know how the rest of this goes, but stop. We're gonna really look at what Ruth is doing in this moment. That Ruth is so determined, so determined to stick with Naomi, despite the fact, let's really think about this, despite the fact that she is leaving everything she's ever known, her family, her friends, everything that is familiar with her, Ruth is willing to take steps away from this familiar Moab and she's like, I don't care. I'm sticking with this decision. Next we see Ruth doesn't seem to really care that someone she loves and values has given her some compelling logical reasons why it's really a good idea for her to stay in Moab. Ruth's like, I don't care. 
And then Ruth doesn't even seem to care what her peer is doing. She's like, my peer can make that decision. I am determined to make this decision. (laughs) And then when we see Ruth's actual words, this is where I'm like, hold on, Ruth, hold on. She's like, Naomi, where you go, I will go. And I'm like, Ruth, are you curious about where you're going? Like what the map looks like, how long it's gonna take to get there, how many stops are you gonna make? Like, are you, are you at all curious about where you're going? <laughs> She's like, where you stay, I will stay. Ruth, I don't know if this makes me a high maintenance person, but I'm like, Ruth, whoa, don't you wanna know what your accommodations are gonna be like? Like, what are the bathrooms gonna look like? Are the sheets gonna be good? Like, if I am taking a trip, much less relocating my entire life, I want to know what that hotel room looks like and are the bathrooms look clean and nice? Are y'all with me? Thank, okay, thanks. So, so I'm not just like high maintenance about this. Ruth doesn't seem to care. She's like, I don't care. Wherever you stay, I will stay. And then, This shows how introverted I am. She's like, your people will be my people. And I'm like, whoa, Ruth, do you care what these people are like? Do you care at all? Are they weird? Are they nice? Like if I'm going to a party on a Friday night, I wanna see who is on the guest list, who said they were gonna be there, like who am I gonna see there? (laughs) Ruth's like, don't care. Ruth is so determined to stick with Naomi, despite the fact she doesn't seem to have a lot of details, despite the fact her peer has made a certain decision, despite the fact someone she loves and values has given her some practical reasons why this is a bad idea, and despite the fact she's leaving everything that is familiar to her. This sounds crazy. Why in the world is Ruth so determined to stick with Naomi in this moment. Well, the next part of 16, which I made a stop at, gives us some insight into this. We're gonna read it together. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you for where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And are y'all ready for this? Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So what I see in this is that Ruth's determination to stick with Naomi despite what it looks like on paper is because her God has compelled her to do so. That her God has asked her to leave something familiar and head towards a new land. And Ruth has the boldness to say yes. Now this isn't the first time that I see God ask his people to leave something they know they are familiar with and to take bold steps towards something new. Um, I see this earlier in the Bible, actually. There's this story where there's this little brother named David and David typically hangs out in the field with the sheep. 
And God asked David to enter the battlefield, to lead the, leave the comfort of the field and enter the battlefield. And the people around are like, are we sure little David? And David enters the battlefield without a shield, without a sword, and faces this giant called Goliath. We see God ask his people to leave something familiar and head towards something new very consistently. If we jump ahead to the New Testament, this is once Jesus is born, there is this story where this happens again, where Jesus' best friends, his disciples, are in this middle of this body of water and they're in a boat. That's comfortable, you know? Like if you're in the middle of a body of water, the best place to be is in a boat. And they see this figure coming towards them and they're like, what is it? And as it gets close, they realize it's Jesus. And Jesus calls out to Peter, come. And Peter's not like, wait, wait, how are the physics of this gonna work? How's it, are we sure? Peter's like, all right. Steps out of the boat and starts walking on water. That makes no logical sense. Yet Peter was compelled to leave something comfortable and step into something new, even though it did not make logical sense. I am telling you, our God often calls his people to leave familiar Moabs and head towards new places. This is not just in the Bible, by the way. This is personal for me. This is something God does today. This time last year, I turned in my keys and my computer and I walked out of the doors of a place that I had been a kids pastor at for 10 years. To leave those people that I had served alongside for a decade. Not only was it that, but like this was the place that I had grown up in. This is the place I was baptized in. This is the place my mom was the kids pastor in. This is the place I spoke at my mom's funeral in. This is the place that I was married in. This is the place I was called to ministry in. This is the place that I dedicated my two boys in. This place was familiar to me. I knew the people like deeply knew the people. I know what hard things they've been through, who their grandkids are. I'd eaten dinner in their homes. Like I knew the people. And just like the space itself, like every nook and cranny of that place, I knew. It was so familiar to me. but my God called me to leave. My God asked me to leave. And the same boldness that God gave Ruth, God gave me. I had um, conversations with people who I so deeply love and who deeply love me. Ask me questions, make some valid points as to why it did not make sense for me to leave my Moab. Are you sure 
they ask me? Yes, I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure my God has asked me to. There were details about leaving my Moab and coming towards Bethlehem that God did not reveal to me. I I didn't know what my office was gonna look like, where it was gonna be. Um, I didn't know any of the kids here. I didn't know how much I would come to love them, fifth and sixth graders, I love you. I, I didn't know how much I would love serving on this staff and what a privilege and joy it would be to serve alongside such wonderful people. Y'all, I did not know, I did not know I was going to be standing on this stage today. That was not a detail God let me know of this time last year. I remember the night that uh, my husband and I told our two boys about this decision that I had felt compelled to make. And my son wept. He asked me questions like, what will the people be like? Will I have friends? Will people know my name? Will I, uh, will the pastors let me run around this church? (laughs) And by the power of God inside of me, I just answered, buddy, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know those details, but God does. And he's for you. If you're wondering, we do let kids run around this church. Our our executive pastor, Richard, um, led the charge on that and took my boys all around this church. God leads us from Moab towards new situations that might be, according to earthly standards, illogical or unreasonable. Our finite minds most likely won't make sense of it. God's plans might include you leaving behind something you know and stepping into new spaces, seasons, and places. People may not understand we aren't given all the details and yet our God leads us. What is your Moab and where is God leading you? There are moments in our lives that God will call us to leave behind Moab and take steps towards Bethlehem And we must ask for the boldness like Ruth. It's worth it. God has something for you in Bethlehem. This morning, we are not gonna go into exactly what God had for Ruth in Bethlehem. That's coming, so you need to come back. (laughs) But it was good, it was good. This next part, I've got to kind of warn you about. I've gotta kind of set your expectations that if you ask God for the boldness to take steps away from Moab, you ask God to give you the boldness, he will start leading you towards your Bethlehem and I need to set your expectations for what might come next. What we see in Ruth is Ruth and Naomi make the trek, they make it to Bethlehem and uh, there's like a hubbub in, in Bethlehem because people are like, oh my gosh, I think that's Naomi. We haven't seen her in so long. It's Naomi. And they're like, Naomi. And Naomi's like, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means 
bitter. <laughs> yeah, that was good timing right there. Yeah, it's awkward. It's so awkward. I mean, hello. Uh, how I've always read this and like looked at Naomi, had the spotlight on Naomi in this moment. Can we shift the spotlight to Ruth? Let's keep in mind that Ruth is the one that has in bold obedience, taken steps away from Moab, headed towards Bethlehem, and she gets there, and in the very next scene, the one person she knows is bitter and in a bad mood, and I'm like, come on! Ruth, that's so awkward for Ruth. It might be a little bit painful, uncomfortable for Ruth. Like, if this were now, I picture Ruth, like, pulling out her phone. Hey, Orpah, how is Moab? This is awful. What I'm telling you is that when God gives you the boldness to take steps away from Moab and you're heading towards Bethlehem, you might experience some discomfort. You might experience some awkwardness. It might be painful for you. It might feel weird to you. But I'm telling you, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. And here's how I know. I started this job as kids pastor on uh, December 1st. I was three Sundays in. And I'm the kids pastor here, so it means I'm responsible for our kindergarten through sixth graders. And there are certain things that a kids pastor should know, certain problems a kids pastor should be able to solve. And we show up, uh, I show up to church on that Sunday morning, and there are some problems. I mean, nothing that should make you worried about your children right now. Like, they're fine, they're safe, they're having a wonderful time. But like, little problems that a kid's pastor should solve. Things like um, a small group leader comes up to me and I'm like, hey, don't know your name. That's a problem. Kid's pastor should know the people who they're serving with. I don't know their name. They're like, hey, we've run out of Bibles in there. Do you have any extra Bibles laying around? I've got, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. I am the kid's pastor and I don't know where our Bibles are. I'm like, let me find that for you. Another person comes up, also don't know their name, and they're like, hey, is there some extra white paper around somewhere? I'm like, let me see. I go in our resource room, which is very big and very organized, and I'm like, where is the white paper? I don't know where the white paper is. The best story is our, our kindergarten through fourth graders are on the second floor in one hall, and our fifth and sixth graders are down on the first floor in a cool area called the district. It's cool, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of a maze to get from the kindergarten through fourth grade area down to the district. And I hear this Sunday morning like, hey, your fifth and sixth graders need you. And I'm like, oh. So I start taking off towards what I think is the district. I get totally lost, totally turned around. Y'all, I am the kids pastor. I should know where my areas are, and I get lost. I am up to here with this. It's about 12.45, I am heading out of church. I call my husband, he's at lunch with some friends and my two boys, and I'm like, I'm not meeting you, I'm fine. Hang up the phone. <laughs> We've been married almost 13 years. He's like, okay, that's fine, I, he knows. I just need my space, guys. I drive home, walk in the door, collapse on my couch. My shoes are still on. I burst into tears and I say in an audible voice 
this isn't even in my head. Like I say this in an audible voice. God, what have you done to me? You have made me leave this place that I know. I know where the paper is. I know where the Bibles are. I know how to get from one place to the other in the building. You have made me leave this place that I know and you've brought me to this new place where I don't know where Bibles are. I don't know where paper is. I don't, I'm getting lost in the building. This is so hard. This is so uncomfortable. What have you done to me? It went on for a little bit longer, but I think y'all are getting the gist of this. I hope. About the time I took a breath, I, like th this will sound weird if you've never experienced it, okay? About the time I took a breath, this like warm blanket felt like it was wrapping me up. And I heard this voice that did not sound like my own, that was so kind and so loving. Hey, Ivy, at what point is it not worth it for you to follow me? At what point is it not worth it for us to follow our God? And I was reminded of this truth, my truth, that ultimately from the family line from Ruth, this baby is born and he's fully God and fully human and his name is Jesus, Emmanuel. And he came and lived on earth and he talked about God's kingdom and what it looks like to be a part of it, what it looks like to love people. And then he experienced this most horrible, uncomfortable, painful, awkward death on a cross for me. And his dead body was put in the tomb, but he didn't stay there. He rose again. Jesus was victorious over death, over all of our pain, over all of our discomfort, over all of our awkwardness, but Jesus is victorious over all of those things. And the truth for me is that Jesus is my savior. Jesus is my king, which means that when he asked me to leave something that is extremely familiar to me, that he also leads the way and gives me the boldness to take steps towards the new thing that I can step into new situations because the lion is padding by my side. He is with me. And when I show up on a Sunday morning and it feels a little uncomfortable, feels a little awkward, guess what? I have the Savior inside of me, comforting me, giving me the words to say, giving me peace when I feel really scared. This is my reality. Jesus is my King. And what I want you to know is He is available to you. He is available to you. I wonder how many of us sitting in this room are in our familiar Moabs. We're sitting in our familiar Moabs feeling like maybe there's something more for us. 
but we're waiting on some more details. We're waiting on it to make a little bit more sense. We're waiting on the people around us to think it's a good idea. We're sitting in our familiar Moabs and God is saying, come on, follow me. And you're sitting there wondering, is the God that showed up for Ruth really available to me? Is the God that emboldened Ruth, will he do that for me? Does he have a plan for me? Does he have a purpose for me? Has he worked out the details? And what I'm telling you is that if you, if you will ask God to give you the boldness to say yes and take steps away from Moab towards Bethlehem, what you will find is this God is real. He is for you. He has worked it out. He does have plans for you. Ask God to give you the boldness to take steps away from Moab towards your Bethlehem. It's worth it. What you are going to experience with God is far better than anything you have experienced in your entire life. There are these verses in Jeremiah, they'll be on the screen behind me that talk about how God has plans for you, plans that are good, plans that give you a future and a hope. We can call upon God, we can come to Him, we can pray to Him. I want you to real, like the God, the creator of all things, the God on the throne, listens to you, wants to talk to you. And when you seek God, you will find him. I don't know where this message lands with you. Are you hanging on to what you know? Have you taken a big, bold step like Ruth? And you're, or, or are you sitting in the awkwardness of the new space? Wherever you are, God wants to listen to you, meet with you. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you some space here. It won't, won't be too long. I wanna give you some space to talk to God and I'm gonna lead you through it because for some of us, we're like, wait, what? I've never done this before. I'm, I'm here for you, my friends. You're gonna get comfortable. You can close your eyes and not because this is like a churchy thing we like to do, but because it kind of helps me focus on God. And I'm gonna walk you through talking to God. There are people in this room questioning if he is real and you need to know he is here. God promises that he is with us. He tells us that if we seek him, we will find him. So right now, ask God to show you that he is near. As you think about your current reality, 
you probably have feelings or thoughts about it because God has created you with the ability to think and feel. And so he is big enough for whatever your thoughts or feelings are. Be honest, tell God your thoughts and how you feel right now. He listens to you. Sometimes it's hard to receive from God when we are holding on so tightly to our own plans and expectations. Ask God to help you let go of areas where you are clinging to comfort, people-pleasing, or your own plans, and ask God to give you hope and confidence in His plans. give you boldness and strength to say yes to what he is asking of you. The same God that gave Ruth confidence to leave Moab and head to Bethlehem is available to you. Ask God to give you confidence to say yes to him. Thank you. We thank you for Ruth and for giving us this example of what it looks like to follow you. And there are people in this room that desperately need you to give them the boldness and confidence to follow you. I'm asking that you would do that, God. Asking that you would give us the confidence to say yes to you. And I ask all of these things in your name, amen. <laughs>